You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Welcome to the Fantasy Wildcard. I'm your host, Kev. You can follow me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Goat. And with me tonight, as always, is my co-host, Matt, who you can follow on Twitter at MattFFDynasty. Good evening, Matt. How are you? Evening, Kev. I'm very good. I'm, I'm getting excited. Not just is it the, the NFL draft next week, but I'm also getting my hair cut. First time <laughs> this year I'm going to get this mop finally cut off. So hopefully next time you see me, I'll look a little bit more presentable. Yeah, uh, for all the viewers as well, you can obviously tell I've had an haircut. I've took me <laughs> off. Um, I do have hair, so uh, if you're a new viewer, this is the proof that I, I do have hair and it's looking a lot better than it did before. <laughs> um, we've also got our other co-host, Ali, who you can follow on Twitter at FF Dynasty Grill. Good evening, The Grill. Evening, Kev. How are we? Yeah, a bit like Matt, I'm very excited about the draft this week. It's... Uh, the most exciting time, the best time of the year. How about yourself? Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's, it's very exciting. So uh, can't wait to see who goes in the first few picks in the draft. Indeed, indeed. So we've got an absolute cracking show today for you all this week. We're joined by another fantastic guest. He's a writer at DLF, Dynasty League Football. He's a co-host of the Dynasty podcast, Tale of Two Rivals. And he's also the co-host of the Debbie podcast, Rookie Fever. We give a warm wildcard welcome to Dave Wright at FF underscore Spaceman. Good afternoon, Dave, for you in the USA. <laughs> Good afternoon, gentlemen. Wow. A, this has been – I'm really excited. You guys have killer guest after killer guest on your show. And you guys reached out way back in August of 2020 for this appearance. <laughs> I hope I live up to the hype. I mean, this is a long buildup here. I'm going to try to bring the energy. I'm excited to do this. And I almost forgot there's an NFL draft this week. So I'm excited for that too. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we really appreciate that you've had a recent vacation to get refreshed for us here at the Fantasy Wildcard. No other reason. It's uh, really appreciated about that. And it's it's actually part of a recent British invasion you've had, isn't it? You've recently been on the Five Yard Russia with our good friend, Rich Cooling as well. So uh, further uh, coming back onto the show in the UK and appreciate you supporting the show and uh, a big name in the community like yourself, it's uh, it's only going to help uh, not only our, our show, but the uh, the community in general as well. So thank you for that, Dave. Appreciate it. Good stuff. So uh, this isn't actually the only time we'll be seeing Dave in the next month. Uh, we've uh, He's also part of our charity streamathon on Saturday the 22nd of May. Uh, and he's actually on the 1pm UK slot, which is the 8am US Eastern slot. Um, he's teaming up with uh, a guy that's been on our show before, Scott Connor, for the uh, one-hour spot. So, speaking of the streamathon, uh, Matt, would you like to tell the audience a little bit more about the streamathon? Yeah, the fantasy fantasy wildcard streamathon. It's only a month away now, Saturday the twenty-second of May, as you said. And um, we're doing a live sixteen-hour stream covering all thirty-two NFL teams uh, from a dynasty perspective. We've also got some awesome guests joining us along the way. And it's all for a brilliant charity. It's for Mind, which is a charity that helps out people that are suffering and, and struggling with mental health. And obviously, everything that's happened this past year, it's, it's something that's that's close to all, all of us' hearts. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to to be able to support that charity. Um, so be sure to check out his pinned tweet on, on our Twitter page, uh, at Fantasy Wildcard, to, to check out the Just Giving link. And also on there, we've got the list of, of all the guests that are joining us 
um, for those 16 hours. So any donations or support is obviously hugely appreciated. And, and we look forward to you joining us on, on Saturday the 22nd of May. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. And uh, thank you as well for coming on, Dave, on, on the stream of fun then. Um, it's it's going to be a very interesting one. I think you've got some AFC North teams. So uh, that, it's a very exciting division. I'm sure you and Scott will do a, uh, a fantastic <laughs> oh, job. I'll have to live up to Scott. He's He knows his stuff. But <laughs> yeah. honestly, it's just a real privilege to help you guys for such a great charity. Uh, charity is a big part of what, uh, for me, I like. Um, I, I help out with the Scott Fishbowl Potathon. And just to be, for you guys willing to invite me on to help out for your Python for a great charity means a lot. I'm excited. I hopefully, I, I got to make sure I live up to the billing here. I got to make sure I perform <laughs> yeah. here so I can help for the, the Python here coming up. So, or the Streamathon. So, I, I'm bringing my A game today. Yeah, we've, got, we've got you on nice and early as well, Dave. So, I'm expecting all that energy, even though it's 8 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> well, spreadsheets don't sleep, baby. <laughs> love it. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome, that Dave. So, um, we have got a superb show today. We, uh, we'll be completing a two-round Dynasty Superflex rookie mock draft. We'll be running through the key players to target in the early rounds of your rookie drafts. Um, as a guest, we're letting Dave make all the selections on the odd number picks with Matt and Ali alternating between the even number picks. Um, I'm going to try and stay out the way a little bit in this one and just keep it flowing. <laughs> not giving too many of my rookie picks away. Um, very smart. Um, but the uh, the rookie draft we've got today, it's Dynasty Superflex. It's no tight end premium. We've had enough of the spotlight on, uh, spotlight on the tight end position on our last show, and we don't want to get Matt too excited before the <laughs> NFL draft this week. Uh, so, Dave, we'll kick off the draft with the uh, 101 with you up first. Yeah, so this is, was a no-brainer for me. It's uh, Trevor Lawrence. And I, I also, before I even start in, in bold letters in the show sheets, two to three minutes per analysis, I'm going to do my best. But <laughs> so, QB analysis has been a real struggle for me in the past. But over the last couple of years, I've really shorted up using Jim Sonnes' uh, from Numberfires. He has a process, a data-driven process for valuing QBs that has been extremely successful. And that's how I like to approach all fantasy. But Sometimes people say it's really tough to do for quarterbacks because it's such a complex position and you need to see film and all the stuff. But Jim Sonis has a great method for doing it. And what I so what the way he approaches it and the way I also approach, and I've made a couple of tweaks, but what I like to do is I look for four main lenses that I look at my quarterbacks through age, experience, efficiency, and draft capital. Trevor Lawrence is going to get the 101 draft capital. He's 21 years old. He has 35 games started. And or no, sorry, 40 games started and a 9.8 age-adjusted or not age-adjusted, adjusted yards per attempt for his efficiency. He's incredibly, incredibly just all-around great, complete prospect. And ideally, you want to look for that 21 years old, like that, um, but also 35 games started, 40 games started for Trevor Lawrence. That's a plus. That's that experience. That, and that incorporates a lot of the immeasurable stuff like being able to read a defense, being able to make adjustments to the line and just seeing actual game experience that says a lot. And also that means that you started early and that your coach values you to start early in a big program like Clemson. That's important. And it, there's just, I just want to do want to say too, there's a solid rushing floor. He had 23.6 rushing yards per game. So that's, that's adds a, a little bonus on top of his in, incredibly efficient passing attack. Um, there's, I don't have anything negative to say because he also did it against the best competition, like what the best competition in the biggest stages. Lawrence is an, is 
He's a great pick here at 101, and I and I wish I could keep going here, but I'm going to try to keep it short for you guys. <laughs> That's awesome, Dave. Thank you. I think you've hit the nail on the head. He's, he's a consensus 101. I think anybody that's not got him as a consensus 101 is being contrarian, and they're going to look kind of silly, I think, as well on that one. I think he's he's a great prospect. He bossed it as a freshman. Um, he has been slightly disappointing since then, but he has lost a lot of his weapons. And like you said, Dave, he's better than advertised as a runner, which is very important in the current Konami Code era at QB. Um, do you think there's any scenario where he's not the Dynasty Rookie 101 post-draft? No. The short no, but I want to use this question to launch into a more important question. I've seen when I hear Trevor Lawrence analysis, I see them saying that he's one of the safest prospects that we've had in the last 10 years. And I think that's actually hurting or dynasty players when they hear that Trevor Lawrence is a great prospect. He's a complete prospect. The most complete prospect we've seen as a quarterback since Andrew Luck, but he's not, but saying safe is a misnomer because you have to spend a first round startup pick to acquire him in startups that, or, and then if you want to trade for the one-on-one, that's what it's going to cost. So to say that someone who a rookie costing that much at a valuable position to say safe for that is a misnomer. However, I'm 100% willing to invest in Trevor Lawrence, pay that kind of price because he's that good. So I just want to say that little caveat to he's not safe, but he is complete and a great prospect. Yeah, he's definitely a high high floor, high ceiling prospect, I think is uh, is what you call a complete prospect, isn't it? So um, yeah, completely on board with the 101. And we'll move on to Matt, who's going to take the 102. Yeah, so I've gone for Justin Fields with the 102. For me, he he's everything you want in terms of a fantasy quarterback. He's obviously athletic, and he's got that great arm talent as well. And he's 22 games as a starter for Ohio State. He threw for over 5,300 yards and 63 touchdowns as well. But then he also added 800 yards rushing and 15 rushing touchdowns as well. So he's got that safe floor with the rushing ability that he has, and then he's obviously got that potential of huge upside with his passing ability. Um it feels almost guaranteed, I think, that he's going to be the starter when it when he enters the NFL. So you're going to get that immediate return for, for your investment. And it's just an easy selection for me at the at the 102, I think, with Justin Fields. Um, so I just wanted to throw a, a question back to Dave. And, and where do you think Fields is actually going to land in, in the NFL draft, Dave? And, and what would you be a, your feelings on that landing spot in terms of fantasy? I honestly, I, that's not really my forte. I wish I knew. I will say, <laughs> I, I wish I knew. I think I will say it's a mistake for the New York Jets to pass on him at 102. The, yeah. All the buzzes that it's Wilson, and you, you hit on all the the pluses for Fields that he's com, he's complete prospect, except he's a little inexperienced, and that's because of the bias and prejudice of of Kirby Smart or whatever the the coaches at Georgia's for who's playing Jake Fromm over J Justin Fields. Huge mistake. Uh, the I would take Justin Fields over every quarterback in the top ten besides Burrow. And uh, I think Dak Prescott's at 10 and Tua. I think I would I'd keep Tua, but I, Matt Ryan cannot, is not a good enough at this point in his career. I like Matt Ryan, but he's not good enough at this point in the career to hold off Justin Fields, even if he lands in Atlanta. So that's where I think people have concerns about him landing in Atlanta, but don't worry. Fields is that good of a prospect. Matt Ryan cannot hold him off. Yeah, I think if, if for me, my dream would be Fields in uh, in Denver. So just just praying for that, really. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll swiftly move on to the one hundred and three, and it's back to you, Dave. More quarterbacks here. Um, I actually just released an article on DLF yesterday where I wrote up Trey Lance. Uh, so if anyone wants a deeper dive, go check that out. And I also did a rookie fever rookie profile with Kevin from 
Fantasy Pros and Hammercast. So that's an also a good way to, if you want something more in depth. But using the standards I outlined for Trevor Lawrence, Lance is a 21-year-old rookie, so he's young. And he's incredibly uber-efficient, 10.2 adjusted yards per attempt in college. That's just damn sexy. I'm sorry. Excuse me, later. That's sexy for as an efficiency standpoint. And he's also he, – and the only problem – he has two big red flags, or you can call him that. It's He's inexperienced because last year was canceled for because of COVID reasons at North Dakota State, and he played at the FCS level. So those are the two glaring holes in his profile – but that those rinse away, wash away for me because what what we need to talk about here is he had I believe seventy point two rushing yards per game, and what that does for a quarterback. Just think about all the questions people had Lamar Jackson. That I'm not saying that that Trey Lance is is plays the same way as Lamar or as Lamar Jackson, but that the rushing floor part of a quarterback that floor. That's a floor getting five, six points a game or four to five points per game from the rushing. That floor actually makes him safe. So if you want to say that he's a risky pick, I'm sorry, but when you have that kind of rushing upside, that's actually a safe pick. And considering QB value for Lance, who didn't throw it, who was incredibly efficient and not turning the ball over was, and that's one of the biggest knocks on rookies is their turnover, their ability to turn the ball over. Lance did not do that. And he's, he's pretty accurate. And I could keep going on and on, but I'm going to try to keep it uh, short. But I just will say that because of the value of QB, if Trey Lance hits, or even if he just is a top, like a lower end QB two or QB one from a dynasty perspective, that could, but that ceiling, that ceiling can change an entire C dynasty roster. You can go from being a basement, but when you can get a t- potential top five dynasty quarterback at the 103 spot, that changes your top, your roster. Think about what Lamar Jackson, who went to 112 in some places, what he did for those teams. Ch- life-changing Trey Lance will change your dynasty roster. And it kills me because I want to take Chase here, but Lance is just that position is it, I can't I can't pass up Lance. Yeah, Trey Lance, I mean, he's he's got that crazy high ceiling. He's a scary runner, zero uh, interceptions in his only full season for the Bisons. Uh, it won't start right away, I don't think, but it's great value at the 103. Um, I have the top three QBs in their own tier. Now, I know, Dave, you said you're not huge on uh, knowing, knowing like the best or worst landing spots, but what, what would be his worst type of landing spot? Or do you think he is actually a bulletproof prospect and he's going to shine wherever he goes in whatever system? So I, I actually do a better job answering this question. I kind of deflected your first two questions. <laughs> I'll say Atlanta. I, would, I wouldn't love the Atlanta landing spot, because, um, but like Matt Ryan, I'm willing to wait for a year behind Matt Ryan because of that top five upside for Trey Lance, because that I cannot, people will get tired of hearing this Konami code. People are sick of it. I think they really are sick of it hearing fancy analysis, but the importance cannot be stressed enough. And in Superflex, the value of, a, of a, that kind of quarterback cannot be stressed enough. So I'm willing to even wait if he lands in Atlanta. So in my opinion, he's bulletproof. But the only thing that we're gonna that we could see here is that people fade. Like if he lands Atlanta, they're just that excitement is gonna be pushed off for a year. So maybe you actually get. I don't have to take it at the one hundred three. I can get it at the one hundred five. I can trade back and pick up some extra capital. So I'll turn that those gray clouds and I'll turn them into a positive for you guys. Yeah, I think as a four on on the show today, we all we all love Trey Lance. I think he's all our QB three. So that's. Uh, yeah. It's a, a thumbs up from all four of us. A consensus that Trey Lance <laughs> is the goat. Um, so, uh, speaking of the goat, we've got Ali uh, with his first pick of the, the rookie mock draft. He's at the one hundred and four. Who you got? 
it's uh, it's the it's the guy that um, he wanted to take, and it was it's Jamar Chase. Um, so Chase is 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 definitely my my number one non QB player in in the draft, um, and I can see him possibly being taken, you know, even higher up than the one hundred and four, uh, maybe ahead of Lance's for Pete if he doesn't land in a in a spot where people are, you know, are rating. Um, but where where I've called slightly on on taking Pitts really early, I'm actually just growing even more bullish on on Jamar Chase. Uh, he's my rookie wide receiver one, and to be honest, it's it's a million miles to uh, to, to Smith, who's my wide receiver two. Um, so to wherever he lands, and consensus is going to go the top sort of five or six, seven picks. Uh, he's going to slot into my dynasty tier three with the likes of. C.D. Lamb, uh, Michael Thomas, and Chris Godwin. Uh, obviously, his ceiling can be higher than those players. Um, so his, his upside's off the charts. I couldn't really find a weakness in his game. Um, he opted out in 2020, but it's, it's not really affected his draft capital or, or his ranking for me. Um, we saw that 2019 season was, was pretty ridiculous. The 20 touchdowns, nearly 1,800 yards. Um, so, yeah, if, if I have the 104 pick, I'm smashing the, the pick on on Jamar Chase or sort of 99 times out of 100. Um, the only other time I won't pick him is, is if I've, I'm really deep at wide receiver and, and I need a, a running back, but then uh, I don't draft for need typically. Um, so just a quick question for you, Dave. Is Jamar Chase your number one rookie wide receiver? And how high are you willing to take him in, in rookie Superflex drafts? Well, my heart says I'll take him at 101. That's how much I love Jamar Chase. <laughs> and I had him as high as 103, you know, up till a month ago. And so I just, I could not take, I could not pass up on the value of Trey Lance and the quarterback position. But just as a little, when I say the 103, that's the earliest I've seen him go. Rookie Fever, we're doing a bunch of ADP. We've over 50 Superflex mocks. He's the earliest he goes at 103, but his average ADP is 105. Um, so if you want to make sure you get him, you got to take him at 103. But he falls to 105 a lot. And I think the furthest he went was 107. Uh, but man, it, so what I, how I usually approach rookie drafts is, is that I build my teams through quarterback and wide receiver. And then I, and I pound running backs in my rookie drafts because that's where the prime running back production is, is ages 21 through 24. And that's also where the biggest difference between perceived value and actual value is because it, people think that's a risk because it's a rookie running back. And, so they, they, they hold up, they, they, they're, they're a little bit less risk averse or than at for running backs here. So that's why I'm willing to pound running backs, except just to show you how good I think chase is. He's already a top 12 dynasty wide receiver for me. And I'm willing to take him over the running backs in this class because that's how good Jamar chase is. So I want to give a little background, just how, what kind of context I think Jamar chase is. And I was hurt that he didn't follow the one Oh five in this draft. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. So uh, 105 then, Dave, who have you got? Oh, wow. I'm up again here. So 105, <laughs> this was this was interesting here because I've been kind of cool on Najee Harris throughout the, the process here. But with Trey Lance gone and Jamar Chase gone, I think it becomes a no-brainer for me for Najee, Najee Harris. I've just learned how to say his <laughs> name apparently, so I, I emphasize Najee. But how I approach running back evaluation is I like to paint a picture for how I think that player will succeed or how I think how they feel. Like I try to fill like almost like a puzzle of trying to make that, that difference maker fantasy running back. I try to fill in the puzzle pieces and see how close to 
becoming that difference maker they are. And so how I do that is I look at their receiving ability, their size, their ability to handle a workload, and, and also to their ability to break tackles or create on their own, and um, also their breakaway ability. That's kind of been a, as far as it's tough to do that from a production profile to project running backs, but I've actually had a lot of success at doing that. Running backs is probably my strongest uh, rookie. Like I bet the best at projecting running backs. I love talking about wide receivers and I, I'm hit or miss with my QBs, but I actually, I running back is my specialty. And the reason why I'll go with Na Najee here is because he's got the size. He's over 230 pounds. He had a 43 catch season last year. So he has that receiving. That's an incredible receiving floor to have 43 receptions. Um, He's got had a 30 touchdown season. He had 19, I think his highest was 19 attempts per game last season. And considering Alabama and how many top recruits they get there, that's that's significant. And he's top, he's in the, one of the top running backs in this class, according to PFF, PFF and his ability to create missed tackles. Uh, the only thing that he's missing really is that breakaway ability, that's that long speed. If you look at Derrick Henry, what separates him from every other big running back is that you never see him get caught from behind. So he turns those big gains into touchdowns. From a fantasy perspective, a 30 to 40-yard run compared to a 60, 80-yard run and a touchdown, that's that'll swing a matchup for you, and that just talks about ceiling. So I love Harris. I do pause a little bit because of the age. That is a concern because he's 23. And why did he do this during his age 22 season? Why was he so dominant then at Alabama when it's almost the same exact situation the year before in 2019, and he just was, he didn't hit. So why did he have to be so old to, to break out? And I, and I understand all the arguments. That's the one little uh, opposite thing I, I will say there. But, and the reason why Najee over pits or over another quarterback or, or another wide receiver is that rookie RBs, like I said, they have that value that early in their career, they, they gain value more than any other rookie position as far as early picks. So I'll take that ROI early and Najee Harris, because while he's not, he's not like on the Chubb level as far as breakaway speed or a Christian McCaffrey level prospect, he's he's going to be a very good running back for years to come, and he's going to gain value on your dynasty rosters. Yeah, Harris, he's, he's actually my running back too. I'm not huge on the uh, on the big late career production like you mentioned, or that he's already 23 years old. He's actually uh, so old that he took Joe Burrow to prom. Um, but yeah, I still think he's he's got great free down potential. Um, I, I just prefer ETM more. So my original question was going to be about um, you being an analytics-based dude and uh, a lot of the analytics people in the community tend to have ETN over Harris, but I think you explained that with the, the past game usage mentioned and the uh, yards created, etc. So ask you what Volume is king. Volume is king. <laughs> And the efficiency, ETN's going to have the efficiency, but the volume for ETN is going to be there. I mean, for Harris is going to be there, and and that's how you do running backs is, is volume. But I understand the ETN love. Sorry, I just had to make sure, because I love that question. That's a great question. I wanted just to put two cents in. Uh, I was just, just going to ask a different question and say that oh, Najee Harris, he's, he's, he's a consensus uh, RB1 in Dynasty. Where does he sit for you in your rankings, thinking of the NFL as a whole? Uh, he's probably not... A, he's probably like the, just outside my top 12. So 13, 14, 15. I, I don't shore up my running backs until that draft capital is locked in and that landing spot's locked in. But he's he's a pretty all-around as a prospect. I'm very excited to have him as an RB2 on my my, my team. So that's kind of how I, I think I view him right now as a premium RB2 on, on a dynasty squad. 
Nice one, Dave. And we're now going to the 106. Back to Matt. Who you got? Yeah, I struggled a little bit with this one because, like, like Dave just mentioned earlier, I like to attack running backs when it comes to, to my rookie drafts. And obviously with ETN still there, it was very tempting. But Zach Wilson is still sat there. Super flex um, mock draft. I, I had to go for the quarterback. I'm by no means his biggest fan. He is my QB for him in my personal rankings. And he's a tier below all the other three guys that, that we've mentioned a little earlier. Um, but at this spot, in a, in a super flex league, I think it, it's value in the middle of the first round. Uh, made an end for himself in 2020 at BYU. He reads the game really well, and it, and he's a real. He's got that winning mentality, and I think that's something that a lot of NFL teams are, are going to fall in love with when it comes to the NFL draft. Um, it, it seems extremely likely that the Jets are going to get him at pick two from all the reports that that we've seen lately, and and he's going to become that instant star. Obviously, they've got no quarterback at the minute so he's guaranteed to be the starter once the Jets select him um so while they might not have the upside of the, the three quarterbacks that we've spoke about already um even if he is just a, a QB2 for most of his career and I believe that is his absolute flaw um then it's pure value for me in the middle of the first round in in a in a rookie draft so Dave where does he sit for you in your dynasty quarterback rankings if we, we're comparing him to the veteran quarterbacks already in the NFL so I'm a little bit lower on Wilson. I under, I agree with you 100%. The value of quarterback makes you want to take him, Wilson, here. Uh, and I and I agree with all that logic. I think mm -hmm. that Wilson's, the pick here may be a little bit, like, maybe one or two spots, but that's just funny. I, I think the value is there for Wilson. You got to go QB here. Um, but he falls to me, just to show you the difference between the top three quarterbacks and where I have Wilson. Wilson slots in behind the Staffords, behind yeah. uh, Cousins, behind Tannehill. I probably won't get Wilson anywhere. I understand it, but he, to me, has the most likely QB bust for me because of his lack of experience and his level of competition at times. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, yeah. So we now move on to the 107, and it's uh, it's, it's we've, we've just got through a quarter of the rookie mock, mock draft so far, so uh, we're going at a frantic pace, but 107, <laughs> Dave, who we got? Oh, I I was preparing for this and I forgot that I took Mac Jones here. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like it's like oh crap. I get like and this is what you, you do. It's just you got to go with the the value of the position. Kind of same thing with Zach Wilson. That's why you go Mac Jones here. Mm -hmm. I want to take ETM because I like ETN and I, I want to. I just don't. But Mac Jones, looking going through my QB process here, he's uber uber efficient. I think he had one of the most efficient quarterback years in college football history with in my database the 96.1 qbr that's the highest out of anyone and what makes it even more special for J jones to do that he did that without rushing upside or rushing production which is a big part of qbr so that was just eye-popping to have him beat out some of the best quarterbacks in college history like that and one of the reasons that is he had an incredible amount of weapons an incredible offensive line an incredible defense and he was an older prospect. So there's a there's a reason for it, but you know, I think he's gonna have top 10 draft capital. I that's why I'm taking Mac Jones here. Now, I will say that if he does not land in two situations in particular, if he does not land in Carolina or in San Francisco, I am out on Mac Jones at this at this price. I think part of that is landing spot dependent because of the draft capital involved and the the landing spot, the talent around him. I would be afraid if he had to make everyone around him better. I'm not sure if he's that kind of quarterback. I think he's more one of those with a good supporting cast 
he'll succeed and be one of those mid QB twos for you for your, on your dynasty roster. Yeah, Matt Jones is my QB5, uh, irrelevant of landing spot. I think the the limited rush ceiling we mentioned with some of the other prospects uh, and average athletic testing does really hurt him. But I do see him as a steady QB2 type in the NFL, uh, sort of in that uh, Derek Carr and uh, Baker Mayfield level of of play. So um, if if you knew that Jones would have a career of consistent QB18 seasons like Baker Mayfield started, um, is he worth the 107? If you can honestly, that's kind of <laughs> honestly that's why I have him here is because that's what I think. I think that's kind of what he's kind of labeled in for. Maybe he'll have some spice season where he's a low end QB one or a high end QB two, but consistently, I think you're going to get a Derek level, Derek Carr level production. And at 107 in Superflex, I'm sorry, that's more valuable than a, a top 24 wide receiver. That's more valuable than a top tight end. That, that, that I'll take that quarterback position. And I know that I say that knowing that Mac Jones has. he's a riskier pick than uh, some other prospects that are still on the board. Yeah. And just to confirm to the listeners, I do have Matt Jones ahead of David Carr in my (laughs) quarterback projections. So um, he's, I think he'll have a better career than David Carr. Uh, (laughs) Sorry for the uh, mix up on that. So I just think that, sorry, Kev, I was just going to say, I think that the thing that concerns me with Jones is obviously David just mentioned it about that, that rushing. It's basically next to nothing. He has got to be a really, really good passer to to sustain any kind of value in fantasy for me. And you've just mentioned it. If he doesn't land on the correct landing spot and he's on an offense where he's not going to be asked to throw the ball at all, for me, he's glaring potential to, to be a bust at the quarterback position out of all of these, these quarterbacks for me. I don't know if, if you feel the same way, but it's just with that that limited rushing. I mean, even Wilson, we know it, he can at least run the ball, but for me, Jones has basically nothing and for that we need him to be an elite passer and that's just what concerns me yeah i think that the only thing i'll add on mac jones is that i think he's going to be a steady prospect as a a qb2 i think Mm. in certain circumstances you might actually want to take him over zach wilson if let's say you've got pat mahomes and nothing else in your qb room you probably don't need the booms you just need somebody steady so i think there is some circumstances where mac jones could be a solid enough <laughs> as your QB too. I think you um, need to w- watch the Patriots uh, in this draft because uh, I think they did all right with their last static quarterback. I know that's flippant, but or like a little tongue-in-cheek, but when you're comparing, you're hoping that he's a greatest of all time level, like what yeah. Tom Brady is now, and to say that maybe he can be like that, that just shows you he has a very narrow path to success or to Absolutely. be an elite fantasy quarterback. So I think that it seems a little flippant, but that's actually kind of, that just tells you a little bit what we need to know about Mac Jones. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. So we'll come to you, Ali, for the 108. Yeah, and I was I was delighted that I didn't have to take one of these two quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> so I managed to land my, my running back two, which is Travis Etienne. So I think it's a bit of a steal to get, to get him at the 108. I can obviously understand Superflex that the QBs are king. Um, so I can understand them being taken before. Uh, so Etienne is is my clear running back two, um, and he's he's actually a lot closer to to Najee at the one one than my running back three, uh, Javonta Williams. Um, had an incredibly productive career at Clemson, uh, averaged nineteen and a half total touchdowns a season, uh, which obviously exactly what you want when you when you draft your your running back. Uh, he's ex- extremely explosive. Uh, come from a track and field background, he just wants to get in that space, the open space, and then. 
you're not going to catch him. Um, he ran a 4.440 time at his pro day, uh, which was which is impressive considering that he, he has bulked up. He's gained some weight since he, he last played at Clemson. Um, and then year on year, he improved his, his catching skills. So 2020 season, he finished with 48 catches, which... Which is uh, which is king when you when you want to draft your running backs. Um, so yeah, he proved that he can be at three down back, um, and I'm sure if he lands in the right spot, he's going to be a top top fantasy producer. Um, so a quick question to you, Dave: Where have you got Etienne in your your rookie running back rankings, uh, and what do you think his ceiling can be in fantasy? Well, I think I, he's so he's my RB two in my dynasty rankings or my QB sorry my running back rookie rankings. My I, I really like him. Sometimes I want to put him over Harris, but then I think about just the vo- the you know the safety of the volume. If you want ETN, if the the hope for ETN is that he produces like an Alvin Kamara light player, he's got that kind of athleticism, that breakaway speed. He can catch the ball. Is he quite the pure pass catcher that that Kamara is? I'm not. I, maybe not. He but. That's what you're kind of hoping for ETN and that kind of receiving floor mixed with the upside of if he gets a decent carry volume and some touchdowns, that's the attractive part of ETN here. And at 108 in a rookie draft, getting ETN is just, oh, I, I, it's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> Love that, Dave. So uh, we, we are back to you now, Dave, for the 109. My goodness, I'm not sure if my mother would like to hear me talk this much, but uh, (laughs) my wife definitely wouldn't. But uh, (laughs) the 109, Rondale Moore, this is probably a little bit of a surprise for a lot of people here. 109 for me is Rondale Moore, wide receiver out of Purdue. Huge, huge breakout at 18. He clips the 30% breakout breakout age threshold, which is how I approach wide receiver, rookie wide receiver analysis. It's through age adjusted production and breakout age. And he had 37.2% of his college offense offense at age 18. That is an insane statistic. I think that's top 10 in my database. That goes back to 2003, maybe even higher. It, it's especially for an 18 year old. I think that's, oh, it's mind boggling. But then, so also another a very effective and predictive way at measuring QB production is their scrim yards per attempt or team attempt. And he had a 1.66 Scrim yards per play is that is just off the charts. Good. Oh, and then so then I'm like, okay, I'm getting Gaga over over this player because he's got the age dash of production. Then I go to my man Zach Reed from Dynasty Dummies podcast, who is in he is in what I love about and also to J Mike also from the open bar and uh the Dynasty Dummies as well. But I go to the so when the numbers I'm the I just like what, what am I missing here? So I go to my film guys and they tell me, and and they're really what I love about them is they have a very uh, process oriented results. They're not just watching highlight uh, tape. They're not just watching. They're not just telling me what's happening. Sometimes people use this cool lingo and tell you what's happening on film. I can watch film. I watch fifteen to twenty hours of football a week during the season. I can watch tape just as much as anyone else. But what they have is they have this process oriented approach, and they tell me that he can win versus man or zone. Has several different release moves against press coverage. For, and he plays with strength. He's dynamic, and he and he, he's just got all the things that I cannot see. I'm sorry, I'm getting too excited. Here. <laughs> things that I can't necessarily pick up through my numbers. He's got the things that matter at the NFL level is being able to gain separation. And people want to say, well, his route tree, his route tree. Uh, Zachary tells me that, yeah, there's some quarterback problems at Purdue, but 
he has the moves where he and the speed four two seven speed or something crazy like that mm-hmm. to get deep. Uh, basically, he's he's not quite Tyreek Hill, but he's got the build of Tyreek. Tyreek Hill's five eight. Yeah, Rondell Moore's a little smaller, but he's got the same speed, got the same dynamism, and he compares very favorably to. I just yelled into the mic. That's how excited I am. He compares <laughs> very favorably to successful NFL wide receivers, and he was produced at a much higher rate than the average for wide receivers in the Big Ten Conference. All very predictive tools for predicting NFL success. And I'm taking a little bit too long here, but I will say <laughs> 109 is a little hot. It's a little hot and it's a little spicy. But I just wanted to say that I knew that he'd probably go at 111. I knew I could take pits here and that more would be available at 111 in this format. But for your for the listeners, people tuning in, I just it's important to to know, hey, how high are you on where are you willing to take this guy? If I had to, I couldn't move, I couldn't trade out. I'm totally fine with taking him at 109. And but what you should know in your individual dynasty leagues through trade negotiations, through Twitter posts, through listen to podcasts or whatever, you should be able to map out 80% of how your first round is going to go. And if anyone, if you know of anyone else who likes Rondale Moore in your league, you're going to know I need to get him at 109. If not, trade back, gain a little extra value. But, and that's what I did with AJ Brown. That's what I did with, or I, I wish I had done. That's what Zach Reed did with Justin Jefferson. There, you gain that value and you, and it's fine. Rondell Moore, block out the noise and just what matters as far as predicting NFL success, he's got it. Yeah, we absolutely love your energy on Rondell Moore. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm trying to be quick. <laughs> it's, been, uh, it's been fantastic to listen to you there and how excited you were and how passionate yeah. you were about Rondell Moore. It's, uh, it's definitely got me thinking about moving him up a little bit, actually, <laughs> with all that enthusiasm and, and date you've given us to to consider that i think wide receiver two in this mock is spicy i do think it's a high risk high reward pick with rondale moore um he, he's an out he's on the outlier spectrum for his size but the same can be said about guys like devon smith um and like you said the freshman season is one of the best all time um 109 as well if thinking traditionally that's a team that's a contending team rondale moore he has got the upside to put you over the top and win you a ship as well so just want to get your thoughts on on more. Uh, do you think he can be a success as an outside receiver at the NFL, or will he be mainly a slot guy? He's got the strength and the moves and the speed to win occasionally on the outside. Do I think he didn't demonstrate a lot, or if at all, on on film at the college level? But Tyreek Hill is the same size, same type of makeup, and can win on the outside now. I, ideally, you want him playing on the slot. Now, if someone's going to typecast Rondell Moore and put him outside 90% of the game, 90% of the snaps, that's a mistake. That's what where people have the landing spot concerns for these coaches that just try to pigeonhole these players into their scheme instead of scheming around him. That's the problem with Moore. However, I think he's got the skill where he can win occasionally to on these deep go routes on the outside, but his bread and butter is going to be creating towards the line of scrimmage and in the middle of the field and yak yards after the catch. Smashing. That's a great answer, Dave. Thank you very much. And we're now moving to the 110, back to Matt. And this is a guy that you might consider a steal, I guess, Matt. Yeah, I've gone for Kyle Pitts. You, you've just mentioned my love for Titan, so I could not let Kyle Pitts uh, <laughs> fall past me at 110. Uh, in, in all honesty, I'm not going to be one of those guys that's going to get Pitts too early in my rookie drafts. Um, but as I say, the 110, it feels like, a great value and, and potentially it can give you a huge positional advantage at the tight end position in fantasy. So it was an easy pick for me, this one. One of the best tight end prospects we've, we've seen in a very long time. Size speed freak coming in at six foot six, 245 pounds. 
on his pro day. And then putting up that 4.4440 time as well. It's just, it's just, he's incredible for, for the athleticism that he brings as a, as a tight end. And I think he's going to be used all over the field as well. I don't think he's just going to be used as that prototypical tight end. He's going to be taking reps in the slot. They're just going to want to get the ball in his hands whenever they can and, and just let him do all the work. Um, it's worth mentioning as well that he is only going to be 20 years old in the 2021 season when it kicks off. Um, so again, super young at the tight end position. So we know we're going to get years and years potentially of, of production out of him. Um, He's going to comfortably be a, a top 10 NFL draft pick, I believe. And, and it'd be rude of me to let him fall outside of the top 10 in, in this rookie draft. So, yeah, absolute smash select for me at the 110. Um, Dave, I just wanted to know your your feelings on the fact that his ADP is currently the tight end four already in, in Dynasty. Um, does that concern you, especially when we're talking about uh, his potential early career? Are you concerned about that value? Um, we know that tight ends can, can take a little while to get going. Is that is that any concern to you, or do you believe he's just going to come straight out the gate and, and be a, a top fantasy tight end? Yeah, it's a concern for me. Outside of two tight end formats, I don't care what your, your tight end premium is, unless it's a two tight end format, that concerns me. Yeah. Um, I, I And tight end four is, pro, is a little soft, honestly. I think some mm-hmm. people want to have him as high as the tight end one, and I used to say that as a joke, <laughs> but people have him over Kelsey. Some people are worried about Kittle, and they're throwing. I think on average, people the real excited people about Pitts will throw Waller out the door because of his age too. Yeah. So I, yeah, yeah, it concerns me because of, but because but I understand the excitement. <laughs> Everything that you said, I understand the excitement. And one ten people are probably salivating over Pitts on the one ten in a lot of super flex drafts. So I understand, but I typically, unless it's a tight end premium format. I don't build through my tight ends. So I, I understand. I think because of the, the career arc of tight ends, you've, and I've heard this every year, Evan Ingram, I've heard David Njoku, I've heard OJ Howard. I've heard it year in year out of how special these players are. And even when Evan Ingram hits for his rookie year, he's, he's in the dog, he's in the doghouse now. So I understand though. I understand the excitement because he is an exciting player to watch. <laughs> How how high would you be willing to take take pits in your r- rookie draft, Dave? Oh, I was hoping to escape uh, that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, in a reg in this format, I'd probably take him. Yeah, I'd take him right here. This is where I would take him. I would I, maybe I'd take Bateman over him, but I, yeah, yeah, Bateman or Pitts is gonna. I'd have to really think on it long and hard. That makes me feel good about my selection. When 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 Dave agrees and he's not even that high on, I'm picking a tie and I feel good about this pick. <laughs> the upside is there. The upside yeah, is there. That's it. Yeah. This mock is just awesome, isn't it? You guys are just throwing all the information out, and I'm just sitting back and uh, smiling and enjoying the entertainment. I think so. it, it's mainly Dave that's throwing all the. All the analysis. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I've been listening to the rest of his throat after after this uh, after this stream. <laughs> So yeah, we'll, we'll we'll try and give Dave a couple of seconds to catch his breath. But we've uh, we're moving back to Dave for the one eleven pick. So one eleven, Rashad Bateman, the the player I would consider taking over Kyle Pitts, and it's because I actually just uh, a couple weeks ago I did a piece or a rookie write up on R- Rashad Bateman, and what I led it off by saying is that he is the most complete wide receiver from an analytical perspective in this draft class, and that's because he broke out at age eighteen but he clips the 30% threshold at age 19. He 
he's just from a production standpoint, he had a career average don- dominator rating, which is a combination of his team's share of receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. 31.8% is an elite mark to have for your career. And his career yards per team attempt, 1.06 is also spicy. And oh, there's so much to like about him because he does, he's, uh, when you compare to successful NFL wide receivers, well above their career production. And he's going to have, the, he's definitely going to have, he's going to have at least round one, late round one, early round two capital. Um, his produ- And then also when you compare his production to other wide receivers from his conference, he smashes that. And, you know, you look at Chase. He opted out for a year. That's the only negative thing you'll ever hear me say about Chase, but I don't even, <laughs> I just, I'm just had to say it to, to, to say it. But then Rondell Moore doesn't have the position flexibility. He's got some injury concerns. Smith, Marshall, and Waddle all have age-adjusted production concerns. Rashad Bateman does not have those concerns. He is a complete prospect, incredibly safe player. And if you're 111 and you earned the 111 and you're getting Rashad Bateman to add to your successful contending roster that was in the championship game, you've got to be excited. Yeah, I think I can hear the Devontae Smith fans booing, actually, in the the background. But um, no, I completely agree. You've got to love Bateman's early career production and his dominance. Um, Great tandem at Minnesota with Tyler Johnson. Um, But he did face a lower level of competition than the rest of these top wide receiver prospects. So I just want to get your thoughts on level of competition as a whole, Dave. Is that something that factors into your evaluations when looking at rookie wide receivers? So the beauty of of approaching from a data driven and age adjusted, or you know, Jared Backus from Campus to Can, he likes to do from a year years out of high school adjusted production. The beauty of that is you're not worried about how they're doing against their competition. What you care about is how they're doing compared to other team players on their team. So when you have thirty percent of your team's receiving production up to forty percent at times, what that there's it's it's shown through. Um, through regression analysis, looking at R squared numbers, looking at diff- different ways to uh, to any way you want to measure it, your age adjusted production is incredibly effective at predicting NFL success. And that so be, and you do that, you don't look at what their production, who they're going up against. What you're doing is you're looking at their production within their team and how much of a market share of their team they're doing at a young age, because that shows how much innate talent you have compared to you know, learning the playbook after a couple of years and, and getting bigger, stronger, faster and being part of the program and, and, and all those benefits of becoming with being in a program for longer. And that's the benefit of age adjusted production. Brilliant, Dave. Thank you. That's well articulated. Um, I, I think I can actually just hear the Devonta Smith fans cheering. So we'll move on to the 112 and see why they're cheering. Don't worry, Devonta Smith fans. I'm here. I'm here to save you. Uh, and I'm, <laughs> I can't let him pull any further than the 112. Uh, so, so yeah, he's probably one of the most talked about players of, of the draft. Um, certainly the most talked about wide receiver. Um, but see, the, the Heisman winner last season, he, he's got his doubts surrounding his, his weight, uh, only weighing 170 pounds. Uh, can, can he play, you know, a high level in the NFL at, at that weight? Um, so we're going to see shortly. Um, but for me, he's, he's one of the most complete wide receivers Took about in the last few years. I, I I started off in with him fairly low, um, but watching his tape, looking at the analytics, he's re- he's really grown on me. Um, up to my wide receiver two now. Uh, so he, he was always seemed to be open. Uh, made Mac Jones' life easy. His uh, his route running abilities is pretty elite. Uh, he's got great hands. Um, 
he just makes catch on the easy. His his twenty twenty campaign was was ridiculous. Twenty three touchdowns, eight one thousand eight hundred fifty six yards. Uh, for for me, he's he's the real deal, and I've not really got any concerns about about his weight. I think he's going to be the outlier. Um, but he's he's not Jamar Chase. Uh, he's quite far off for me. But he's for me, he's the next best thing. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is this is probably where he's going to go in in rookie drafts. Um, I think people might have Bateman, the likes of Bateman ahead of him. Um, so I'm pretty happy to take him, my wide receiver too, at this this position. So a question for you, Dave: Where have you got Smith ranked in in your rookie rookie wide receivers? And have you got any concerns about his his weight? He's my wide receiver four. So I I a lot of analytically based or data driven people are even lower on Devonta Smith, and that's not because of his size. Uh, size, I'm sorry. If you look at if you look at the successful or actually all the NFL wide receivers enter the NFL and you look at their BMI, it's a bell curve. It's a I, trying to get in the camera here. It's like a bell shaped like a bell, and you've got heavy and light wide receivers on the the low parts of the graph, and but then you look at these successful NFL wide receivers that matches the percentage of players that are that size in the NFL. So if you're looking, it's, they're at expectation. So size. And then also when you try to use BMI instead of production or draft capital or whatever have you, whatever filters you care about, it does not make you more accurate at selecting players. So I size is not an issue with me. What is the issue is that it took him a little bit longer to break out. Devonta Smith is, didn't break out until his 21 or 20, 20 or 21. I forget now, but he, so size is not an issue. He, he is elite at what he does well. And that's why that I love Devonta Smith. And I think he's going to get the NFL draft capital. 166 pounds, I think, according to the weigh-in at the combine or the the medical combine that they had, not an issue. Devonta Smith is going to be a very good wide receiver. The problem is what size does capture a little bit is your upside. Will Devonta Smith be a top 12 wide receiver? He's got to go through that Calvin Ridley role to hit that that, which is a very narrow role to hit. But I think I think he's a very safe prospect at one at um, and that's why he's my wide receiver four. Very happy to get him here at the 201. <laughs> So great pick. Sorry, that, I went a little bit longer there, but Devonta Smith, great player. I had to represent the analytics people who <laughs> do like him as well. <laughs> Good stuff. So that's the end of round one. I'll just to give a quick recap. We had Lawrence, Fields, Lance, Harris, Chase, Wilson, and then Jones, Etienne, Rondale, Pitts, Bateman, and Devonte Smith. So before we get into round two, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Silver FX is a leading supplier of bespoke teamwear, including podcasts like ourselves, sports clubs and universities, and also schools. Um, so you can choose from Silver FX's own bespoke range, modify designs, or customize your own from scratch. We at Fantasy Wildcard have our very own merchandise store, bringing you our fantastic logo branded across several quality items, including hoodies, hats, jackets, t-shirts, and shorts, plus many more. Uh, please be sure to check out Silver FX on Twitter, at SilverFX underscore sports and their website, www.silverfx.co.uk. Thank you very much. So round one's in the books. Let's move on to round two. And we're back with you again, Dave. Who are you taking at the 201? All right, I'll go a little bit quicker here in round two for you guys. Um, <laughs> Javonta Williams at the 201 is a home run. I, I, you know, I'm not actually, I'm compared to the, the consensus, I'm lower on Javonta Williams. He goes 110 usually in Superflex drafts. And it's because, and I understand why people love Javante Williams. He looks right on tape. He forces mixed, uh, missed tackles, very 
fun to watch play football. But and the, the positive things that on top of that is is that he has some receiving ability. He's got the size that you want in a typical three down back. But his production at the college level at North Carolina, he shared a lot of time with Michael Carter. So he never he I think he never reached fifty over fifteen attempts per game. He maxed out, I think, at 20-something, 20 receptions or 20. I can't remember. But he hit barely hit the threshold for receptions. and But he does have the requisite speeds for his size. So to get him to that, but that kind of upside at the running back position, and there's a big tier drop after Javante Williams to the other running backs in this class, to get him at the 201. So say if you earn the 201 and you got Trevor Lawrence, you're, you're swimming to get a running back with that kind of upside and the receiving ability and that kind of floor for receiving ability and then have Trevor Lawrence, you're leaving this draft extremely excited. There's a lot to like about Javonta Williams. I just don't think that he has quite the upside that some do. Yeah, he's, he's pretty much like David Montgomery. I think, uh, um, I mean, looking at this draft class, it just shows the quality of it when you're getting a running back of John A's talent dropping into round two. Um, he's a clear part of the top three running backs for me. Um, I currently have Javante closer to Najee than Najee closer to ETN, uh, but I think he's, he's a solid guy. I've seen him as I as running back one for some people uh, as well. Uh, that's both uh, analytics and film grinders. So um, I think he's definitely part of the top three. And to get him here, like you said, if you're adding him to a Trevor Lawrence, um, you've you've won that draft, uh, a rookie draft there, hands down. So we move on to the 202, and we're back to you, Matt. Yeah, I've gone for Jalen Waddle with this one. Um, basically, just gone for the upside here with this pick. Arguably one of the most explosive wide receivers in this draft class for me. Um, it was just a big play waiting to happen whenever he steps onto the field. Uh, it was worried down the, the depth chart at Alabama playing behind guys like Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and obviously Devon Smith that we've just mentioned a little earlier. Um, but even though Smith, he, he gets all those plaudits for that 2020 season, and rightfully so. But it is worth mentioning that before um, Waddle's ankle injury, he made an absolute red-hot start to the season in the four games he played in 2020. Um, all four of those games went for over 100 receiving yards. He totaled 557 yards and four touchdowns in those four games on just 25 receptions. So it just shows that the upside that he has when he is on the field. And, and for me, I'm just shooting for upside with this pick. Um, I think he's, he's got untapped potential that we've yet to see, um, as I say, with, with him being stuck down the depth chart and obviously that injury that he picked up last year. Um, but to, to be able to get a player like this in, in the second round of a rookie draft, it, it, can, it could potentially be a huge return on, on the investment that you've made. Um, so, Dave, I, I was just interested to know, where would you rank Waddle um, compared to the other Alabama wide receivers that I've just mentioned, like Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith? Where, where does Waddle fit in those guys? So I probably have Jerry Judy one, Devonta Smith two, Waddle three, and then Henry Ruggs four. Um, Waddle, I think one thing, and we're on Twitter a lot, and you're if you're we're a lot more data driven. A lot if you're in a certain section where you're a lot more data driven, you're going to hear a lot of negative Jalen Waddle takes. But there is a upside that comes with Jalen Waddle that isn't captured in the numbers, and that the film people really love about him. So he, for me, he's extremely risky. But his upside, if people, I, there are a lot of smart film people know what they're talking about. A lot of them, and if he's as good as they're saying, he's a value at 202. So that upside, that, and if you look at it on a per game basis, he would have had a breakout age. He would have had insane yards per attempt numbers. So there's a lot to like about Jalen Waddle. And 
yeah. So there's a lot. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything too negative about him because <laughs> there, I understand the other argument. I think as well with with Bodley, he was he was on pace at the start of this season to absolutely dust Devontae Smith. I think yeah. uh, if it was the other way around where Smith got injured, I think Bodley would be the Heisman as well. So um two oh two, very decent indeed. Um uh, but we'll we'll move on to the two three. It's back to Dave and I think we're keeping the wide receiver theme here now. We're in uh, the wide receiver range. <laughs> so Elijah Moore here for me, I want to actually if sometimes when i get too excited i look at i stare at the numbers for too long and i look at age adjusted production and i and i just see these these numbers i want to put him above devonta smith because there's a lot to like about elijah moore playing at old miss in the sec and what he did for a production standpoint incredibly productive and uh part of his offense from a age adjusted production and phenomenal yards per team attempt and he does well very well compared to successful NFL wide receivers and he does well compared to other SEC wide receivers historically. So those are all things that are just amazing for his profile. A little smaller, but and he plays out of the slot very well, but he can get deep vertically out of the slot well. He does well getting separation out of the slot. And from what I've heard is that some people say that he can also win on the outside at times. So there's a lot to like about Elijah Moore here. I'm extremely excited about him. I would probably take him over Jalen Waddle, but I don't think I have to. Even though there has been some buzz recently, mm-hmm. I, I um, I'm really excited to get Elijah Moore at this kind of value in rookie drafts. Yeah, like you said, it's another fine wide receiver prospect falling into round two. Um, I know Rich Coolin, Dynasty Island, who show us on um, a couple of weeks back. He, he he loves Elijah Moore. I think he might be his wide receiver one. Um, just <laughs> kidding, Rich. Um, uh, but yeah, um, I actually have Elijah and Rondale Moore neck and neck in my ranks. So I think he's a very good player. And it's going to be really interesting to see where these sort of guys in round two do land. I'm not one to sort of change my ranks massively on landing spot but i do think uh, as a tiebreaker it's something you can definitely use uh deciding between a coin flip uh so next up we've got the 204 with ali and uh, i believe you're going to be talking about the greatest wide receiver of all time ali <laughs> yeah i am yeah it's 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 terrace terrace marshall um uh, who I believe you're quite high on, Kev. Um, it, it's, <laughs> he's, he's been living in, in the shadow of, of Chase and, uh, and Justin Jefferson at, at LSU. Um, but then in 2020, he got the spotlight he, he deserved. Um, Ten touchdowns in seven games just shows you how productive he can be. Um, now, he's he's a bit of a standout in this class. He's a bit of a bigger, bigger receiver compared to a lot of the smaller guys who were going at the top. So I think it's going to push his stock higher. Um, a lot of NFL teams like a big receiver, like in the Mike Evans sort of role, Julio Jones. Um, so I think it's going to push his stock higher and he could potentially be overdraft. Um, he can be a bit clumsy with his route running, um, but then he's he's got a massive catch radius. Uh, he's really got a bit of a highlight reel um, on tape. Uh, so so to get him at this point, um, I'm fairly happy. I think... Um, a couple of months ago, he was he was further down than this. I think his stock is is on the rise. Um, I think he's going to end up potential steal in the draft. Um, so to get him at this stage is 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 really good. Um, so I'm happy to take him here. He's my, he's my wide receiver five in this this class. Um, and to me, it's a bit of a, a gap to the next the next wide receiver, which is which is Rondell Moore. Um, 
So a question for you, Dave. Uh, with Marshall's stock been rising over the past few months, are you in on him or are you lower in the rankings and consensus, which is the wide receiver six? He's a really difficult analysis or a difficult wide receiver for me to analyze because, like you said, he played with he played with Jamar Chase. He played with Justin Jefferson. He had Joe Burrow as his quarterback. He dealt with injuries. He's got some very good athleticism. He still meets thresholds if you go from a per-game basis because he opted out. He was performing at such a high level. A little bit TD-dependent in his college production for me that as a red flag, but I'm not even sure what you're – I'm looking here what that trying to remember what the question was uh, because I'm just thinking about Marshall here. Where He's right here for me. This is right where he should go. But you've got guys like J.J. Zacharyson and other analytically-minded people really pushing him up. There's a lot to like about – Terrace Marshall, who I want to always call Terrence for some reason, but you know, there's a lot to like about Terrace because he's got the, the size, the athleticism, some decent production. And he had, there's, you can explain a way why he didn't produce because of the people who were in front of him. Yeah. And just to clarify for anybody in my leagues about um, Terrace Marshall, I can't be that honing because I thought we called Terrence as well up until a few weeks ago. So <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's definitely not high in my rankings. Please do let him slide. <laughs> to me and um, so uh, back to the 205 we've got yourself again now Dave who you got so this is someone that I'm I'm really excited about and it's just unfortunate when we talk about injuries because Talon Wallace or Talon Wallace was out of Oklahoma State in the Big 12 was is it going to be one of those I thought he was if he had not withstood that in that ACL tear back in I think 2019 he would have been in that top tier of wide receivers because he had the early declare. He had, you know, he was a Blitnikoff finalist, insane production. Then when he came back, he was incredibly productive again. So age 18, 19, or age 19 breakout age where he clips the 30% threshold, 28 point or 28% career average dominator rating, which is insanely high, 0.93 yards per team attempt and all the predictive stuff he does, he smashes except he has that one injury bug may not have necessarily the size that you might like, but his production profile matches successful NFL wide receivers far exceeds the big 12 conference average for wide receivers because people say big 12 softer conference, the defenses aren't there even. So when I, all right, I compare him to other wide receivers to come out of the big 12, he smashes them a lot to like about him. I'm not going to, and he came back after that ACL injury and he smashed again. So, the only the only things that I can complain about were out of his control. Really like Town Wallace, and to get him at this point in rookie drafts, this is a I'm trying. As soon as I take Elijah Moore, I'm sitting there. I'm 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 trying to. I'm probably willing to to pay a second and a player to get back up a future second, my like a third round draft capital and maybe even a player to get back up to get Town Wallace because I really am excited about him. Yeah, I think this spot, this uh, the 205 and also wide receiver rates bang on for me, for Tyler Wallace. Uh, I think he's got great potential as a NFL wide receiver too, although like you said, it does come with some injury concerns. I think his brothers will also add um, a couple of ACL injuries, so we'll have to hope it's not hereditary. Um, I know Tyler Wallace is one of our last guest, Linda's favourite players of all time, and uh, speaking of favorite players of all time, uh, we've, we've got the 206 with Matt. Um, for anybody that knows me, I'm sure you know who it's going to be. So, Matt, who are you taking at the 206? 
Yeah, it's Michael Carter. <laughs> it, I, I, I do feel bad for all the viewers and listeners. You've had to you've had to put on me hyping this guy up for so long now. But it's my last chance before the NFL draft, so just just let me have this one, guys. Um, I get he's he's undersized at five foot eight and he's only two hundred and one pounds. Everyone's going to bang on about the forty time it being a four point five five, was it? But that's not his game, and it annoys me that everyone gets upset about that that 40 time because his game is the short area based and he proved how good he is when it came to the shuttle and, and to the three cone. That is his game. It's his short area, his movement, his, his ability to make people miss. So I've got no worries about his breakaway speed because he's broke so many ankles once he's got past you that you're not going to catch him anyway. So I've got no concerns about that. He's got proven production in college. He had three <laughs> 3,400 rushing yards and 650 receiving yards during his time in North Carolina. And that was obviously playing alongside Javante Williams as well. Um, as I say, quick shifty RB and it, it just makes guys miss when he's out in the open space. Um, I do think that landing spots going to be really key for a lot of these running backs in this year's draft. And I just think with the traits that Carter has, I, I think he can be productive even without a, a large workload. If you can get that type of workload where he gets 10, 11 carries and, and then five or six rece receptions per game, it's going to be a really solid fantasy asset, I believe. Um, so, Dave, I just wanted to know um, what would be your favorite landing spot for for Carter in the NFL. Well, that's that's a tough one for me to to think about because he's what I love about Carter is his receiving ability, and mm -hmm. he's almost landing spot, you know, agnostic because that floor uh, he's going to be able to work his way in to get some receiving upside wherever he lands. And I also see in the show notes, I'm not sure about for you guys, but on my copy it says. If you say anything negative about Michael Carter, you'll be kicked out of the live stream. So I, so, so I, I can't say anything here. So uh, honestly, I want a, a quarterback who is willing to target running backs at the backfield. So any of the top quarterbacks, I don't want him paired with a rushing quarterback. So I, I, that's how I'll, I'll answer it. He's Lenny Spot agnostic because of his skill level. Love it. I just want to say thank you so much that we don't have to speak about Michael Carter again for a, a couple of weeks. Cause, uh, <laughs> just just wait when he goes in the first round. Don't <laughs> Honestly, if, if, he goes, if he goes in the, the back of the first like Edwards Lair. I mean, to be fair, he's, he's pretty similar to Edwards Lair, I think, as a prospect. Yeah, um, just better. Just better. I, I think where um, where Michael Carter goes is probably nearer where Edwards Lair should have gone in drafts, but that's that's for another <laughs> show. That's for another show. I do like Edwards Lair. So, um, so yeah, we'll move on to the 207. Who we got, Dave? So, Dami Brown here. Um, he's uh, out of North Carolina as well, I believe. He's had an age 19 breakout age, just missed hitting the 30% threshold. And he has a career yards per team attempt of 0.86, which passes another important threshold. Um, film is he saw it against zone, but he excels against man. Sometimes I've heard a lot of he struggles with drops. I do not worry about drops concerns. I think drops is one of the most obvious things that people who, who look at film can understand. And I understand a lot of negative reactions happen to drops, but the, but if you can take, you look at Carter, he had over, a I think he's one of only a couple wide receivers in the history of the NFL or the NCAA football to have an average 20 yards per reception and over a thousand receiving yards. So to have to be that efficient, at that, at that kind of volume is incredible. And so he's going to be that kind of deep threat. That's very exciting. And he, you know, is over his very does well when compared to successful NFL wide receivers and does very well when you compare him to other wide receivers in the ACC. And yeah, his, he, his speed wasn't what we were hoping for or something we were hoping for, but 
and not only so then I said that thing about the 20 yards per reception and a thousand yards, he did that twice. So not only he did something that not very people do, and he did it twice, just shows you what kind of player he can be. He's arguably, I'm getting him at th- the, th- the beginning of the third round in a lot of rookie drafts. He's a value in rookie drafts to get this kind of talent here. And I think the NFL likes him a lot too. Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence with Amy Brown. I think, it, like I said, he's fantastic deep threat, even though he's not got the, the speed we, we wished. He's still great under the deep ball, I think. Um Real life is uh, going to be fantastic for a team as a role player. Um, I do worry a little bit about how boom bust he could be for fantasy, but um, like I said, you're you're really high on him. He's got that efficiency, like you mentioned, which is key. Um, I see him as a as like a rich man's Darius Slayton type player. I think he can be better than Slayton, but that's sort of similar build and um, sort of how he how he wins uh, for fantasy. So a little bit boom bust, but. Round two, back around two, yeah, he's going to be a flex player that you can use uh, in, in certain matchups. So uh, I think it's fair value for me. Um, and now we're moving on to 208. To, um, I know uh, I know Matt was going wild at his last pick, so um, it's only fair that Ali gets to go wild on this one. Thanks, Kev. Yes. <laughs> so, so Matt thought he had the, the steal of the draft, but really... The steals at 208, it's, uh, it's uh, Kenny Gainwell. Um, so for me, it's my favourite pick of this draft. Um, he's he's my guy uh, in this this rookie class altogether. Um, he's just that that dual threat running back that that you you absolutely love in fantasy. Um, he's got the best hands uh, in in this running back class for me. Um, he he opted out in 2020, um, but he, we saw a remarkable. 2019 campaign uh, over 2,000 scrimmage yards, keeping superstar Antonio Gibson out of the spotlight. Um, so the yeah the ceiling's so high for me, uh, and to get him this late is a is a bit of a dream with his with his upside. Um, uh, so I, I think ultimately uh, where he gets drafted will, will depend on where he goes, but I can see him being closer to the to the early second round uh, in in your actual rookie drafts. Um, so I'm hoping for a good answer here, Dave. Uh, we, we saw we saw Gamewell keep Gibson out of the running back position in college. Uh, do you think he can be as good as Gibson for fantasy in, in the NFL? Ooh, that's gonna be it's gonna be tough to say that because size has so much to do with upside for me. And Antonio Gibson has that side speed combo with receiving ability. So to have Kenny Gamewell be better than or as good as Gibson is hard to say, but. I, I really love Gainwell. He's the running back that I'd be tempted to take over some of my other wide receiver picks just because he does have that receiving upside. He can catch back shoulder throws. Not a lot of running backs can run routes and catch back shoulder throws at the college level. There's so many things to like about Gainwell. I just need to know landing spot. If I knew his landing spot and his draft capital, he could be going, like you said, at the, at the thing. So could he be as good as Gibson? Yeah, if he gets the draft capital, sure. But I'm, I, I, need, I need to know what the NFL knows first. So... The NFL will answer that question for us. I'll take that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm praying that he ends up on the Jags. I just want to see Twitter burn. Honestly, I think I think it'd be a fantastic compliment actually to James Robinson. But um, yeah, I want to see him there at the, uh, the at the three hundred one. I think it, it could be available at that point as well. So uh, please get Gainwell on the Jags to uh, see Twitter burn. I think so. We'll we'll move on to the two hundred nine, and it's back to you, Dave. So Seth Williams, it's basically Terrace Marshall and then Seth Williams when you're talking about the bigger wide receivers in this class. And he's – because we've been – 
all the wide receivers that I've picked so far have been smaller, undersized wide receivers, essentially. Mm -hmm. And Seth Williams stands out from those other players. Does it, people like to cite his concerns about gaining separation and, and uh, corners can stick to him. But if you look at his age adjusted production, he's going to be an early declare. Uh, he's well above production thresholds, does well compared to other players from his conference and does, and maybe he's a, when you compare to successful NFL wide receivers, he doesn't quite hit those thresholds, but he's darn close. And to get someone with this size and that kind of touchdown potential, if he lands in a, in a gets decent draft capital, I don't think I have to take him here. This is just one of those things where I've I've taken I've had the liberty of picking every other pick in this draft, and I picked every player that I like. And then so Seth Williams is here. I think you can get him safely the early third round of of drafts. But I I just I, I really like me some Seth Williams. So well, let me rephrase that. I like his value here. I could see him. I could see the separation concerns being raised. But where we are at the draft, I'll, I'll be happy with getting him here. Yeah, I think your analysis is spot on there, Dave. Um, he, he, like you said, he's a bigger dude. He's he's got a chance to be drafted earlier than expected with it with his size. Is bigger than a lot of these prospects. Um, I think he's an interesting guy. Uh, he's he's definitely worth a shot at this part of the draft. Um, and you've got to think as well. He could potentially be a high second round pick in real life. I think based on there not being many guys that look like him. So. I have to see if, if you're getting a high tech around pick, you probably got a better shot at volume than someone in round three. So I, I just need someone. If he gets third round draft capital, that's all I need. If he gets anywhere in the top, the top three rounds, I'm happy. That's how all I need for Seth Williams. Indeed. I think this next guy we've got as well, he's someone that is, I guess his role is going to be draft capital dependent and it's been a little bit all over the place. So uh, who are you taking at the two ten, Matt? Yeah, I've gone for Tuba Hubbard at, at 210. Um, he's obviously fallen down a lot of draft boards after his disappointing 2020 season. But at this stage, at, at the end of the second, I'm, I'm happy to take a, a shot at the potential upside that Hubbard has. Um, he's a running back with home run ability every time he touches the ball. Uh, and if he had declared for the, the 2020 NFL draft, we could have been talking about in, in, in the same level as regard as, as the top running backs in that draft class. Um, following his 2000 rushing yard season in 2019. Um, obviously, he did have the struggles in 2020, but I do believe there's a, a number of reasons why he did struggle. Obviously, he had that fallout with head coach Mike Gundy uh, before the season started. And then I think he, he struggled with an ankle injury for, for the most part of the season before he opted out for, for the remainder of the season. Um, but I think I'm willing to forgive that performance, as I say, with that unreal 2019 season. Um I'm, I'm wanting to believe that, that, that that's the, the hub we're going to get. Uh, and as I say, at this point in the draft, I'd I'd rather take a shot on, on what he could be rather than than, than letting him slide past me, basically. But you, you mentioned it before, Kev. I think landing spot's going to be a key again for, for somebody like Hubbard. Um, I just wanted to ask you, Dave, it's not really in regards to Hubbard, but when you do get to this stage of, of your rookie drafts, would you rather shoot for the potential on uh, a big return investment on an RB like Hubbard or... Do you tend to lean more towards those those wide receivers? I'm leaning towards the wide receivers because I don't know draft capital. Once yeah. I get those questions answered for, mm -hmm. for Chuba Hubbard, I think Chuba Hubbard could be, or Chuba, however you want to pronounce it, <laughs> landing him here, he his upside is real. That 2,000-yard season with the receptions and the, like over 24 carries per game, mm -hmm. that's that's a running back one type production. That's in, And then people are a little disappointed about his speed or whatever have you. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, but he did extremely, extremely great production. He's 
dealt with injury and a had a lot of turnover at offensive line. There's this is a great pick here. And so once I know draft capital, say if he gets even in the, the early fourth round, but or third round draft capital, I, I would be probably more willing to take him over a guy maybe who I who didn't get the draft capital at wide receiver that I thought he was going to get out of some of the players I've already picked. Indeed, we'll uh, we'll keep it running back. We'll move on to the two eleven, and this is actually your last pick of the rookie mark, Dave. So <laughs> people are cheering that they're going to hear me stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I went Kylan Hill here, running back, I believe, out of Mississippi State. What I like about Kylan Hill, he meets a lot of those things that I care about, where he's got the size, the receiving ability, had a season where he had demonstrated some decent uh, volume from the, on the ground. And he, and he's got decent athleticism for his size. I believe I mean, not, not amazing, but he meets the thresholds that you care about. And why I like Con Hill is that he has that receiving up, that receiving upside really matters to me. And I think he's undervalued right now in rookie drafts. Whereas if the NFL draft sees him for the side, because you hear Michael Carter, you hear Kenneth Gainwell, even Chuba, Hub, Chuba Hubbard, you know, he has his concerns. If the NFL is higher on Kylan Hill, then and he gets that draft capital, I think you're going to see him go here reliably in rookie drafts. And I'll just say this about um, Callan Hill, too, is that, uh, you know what, that's about, actually, I think that's enough to say about Callan Hill. Is that he's got, oh, that's what it was. It was Keyshawn. I think what he is, is I think he's last year's Keyshawn Vaughn because he's an older running back prospect. Now, he's last year's Keyshawn Vaughn, but you're not taking him at the 112 in rookie Superflex drafts when you had players like, Brandon Ayuk, like Justin Jefferson on the board. You've got Kylan Hill at the end of the second round, top mid-third round most likely. That's the kind of value without knowing draft capital that I like to see in my rookie drafts. Yeah, this uh, this Kylan Hill selection, it was a bit of a curveball for me. Um, he's actually my running back 12. Uh, I think the, the lack of athleticism and pass catching will hurt his value in my eyes. Um, it's really interesting you mentioned Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a guy that shot up draft boards last year, so it's a word of warning to any any running back that you see making a massive jump between now and a couple of weeks' time, just to pump the brakes a little bit and <laughs> just just trust your trust your process how you've ranked them before the draft and not not reacting too much. Um, and now we come on to the the last pick of the rookie mock. We've got the two twelve with Ali. So uh, who's your finale pick, Ali? So a bit like Dave, really. I'm, tr- I'm trying to find that diamond in the rough at this stage. Um, and my, my pick is is wide receiver Eamon Ra St. Brown. Um, so he's, he's uh, at the minute, he's projected to go back of the second, early third in the draft. His, his draft capital in the media is actually, is actually rising. Um, look at his tape, Buzz. I was impressed with his, uh, his incredibly quick feet and the separation that he gets. Um, once he's once he gets the ball in that open space, he's he's gone. He's got he's got really good speed, um, and he always plays at hundred percent, which is a trait I always love to watch. He's not afraid to put his body on the line. Um, he's only played in six games in in twenty twenty, but but uh, scored seven touchdowns, um, and he's he's solid. And I think at this stage, to get someone who's solid, not many weaknesses at the NFL level, if he lands in the right spot with the best coaches. Then you you never know what what he can turn out to be. Um, he's my wide receiver ten. Uh, so again, I'm just shooting for upside here. Um, so just a quick question for you, Dave. Where does he fall in your your rankings, and 
whereabouts are you comfortable taking him in these rookie drafts? He falls right around here as far as the the where I want I'm on St. Brown. It's uh yeah, I think you actually nailed it everything. I he falls right here for me. The end of the second, early third, he represents kind of a tear break for me at the wide receiver position. Smashing. That's a lovely way to end the show. Well, and end the draft. We haven't ended the show yet. Please uh, come back on, anyone, everyone. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just to recap round two, then we've got um, the 201, Javante Williams. Then we've got Waddle, Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall, Wallace, Carter, Diami Brown, Seth Williams, Hubbard, Hill, and then St. Brown last. So uh, the show is still going on. Uh, we move on to the wildcard section of the show now where uh, we get in our guest Dave to pick out one player that he believes will be his fantasy wildcard, a player that will improve his uh, improve their dynasty value the most in 2021. So Dave, who's your wildcard selection, please? There were, there were some tough questions here. I was disappointed to see DJ Moore off the board because I love me some DJ Moore. He's an incredible value right now in dynasty. And I, and then it came down to two players. I really was thinking or three that I was thinking about, I was thinking about, Miles um, Gaskin for for Washington or for Miami. I think what his ability to on the ground and through the air, he's a, gr- a real value if they don't invest at running back in the draft. And then Brandon Ayuk, I really like him, but his value has kind of climbed up. Where I don't think you're in it. The question is for the wild card, who's going to gain the most value? So I couldn't say Ayuk because he's he's uh, up there, but I love me some Brandon Ayuk. So I went with Cortland Sutton. He's going late. Yes. I think eighty the eighties and ADP. Uh, very, and, but what, what I love about Cortland Sutton is you're getting the injury discount. People are concerned about the injury because it was a major knee injury. But I talked to my guy, Aaron Wilcox, who's my injury guru. He's on the, De- the, uh, Debbie devotional pod for the Monocle dynasty podcast. And he's a, he's a doctor or he's almost a doctor of physical therapy. And he said that, that, that injury, if it heals, it, not, don't worry about it. it. It should be healed by the time that the season starts. And, you know, Cortland has the size. He's got the athleticism. And what he did with Drew Locke throwing him the ball to be a wide receiver 19 in, uh, I think that was back in 2019 or, yeah, 2019, was very impressive. I think Cortland, for me, Cortland Sutton, I was extremely high on heading the last year. I think he has top 12 wide receiver upside. And to get him at this place in dynasty drafts, if you want to attack the running back position early, get your QBs. Maybe you go in for a, a tight end. And to go in for Cortland Sutton in your startups where he's going, incredible value. And you can downgrade from a, a higher wide receiver that might be aging to Cortland Sutton and pick up some extra value. I just love me some Cortland Sutton. Yeah, I think you're going to find that we're, we're all in agreement here. And we we love this pick, Dave. Um, he's someone that we all like. And he was a clear buy for me last season once he went down with injury. Uh, sell him to a, a team who... Or sorry, buy him off a team who who were going for the championship, um, which I managed to pick up a couple of shares. Um, his career his career really got going in 2019 with that season, the wide receiver 19 finish, um, just shows you what he could do. Um, and yeah, I think the whole the whole Broncos offense as a whole was was hurt with the fact that that Locke was playing as the quarterback, and he just he can't elevate and and keep the all of them relevant. Um, so yeah, I think I think we're all praying for a. A rookie, someone like Fields or Lance, or Lance to to land in in Denver, um, and I think Sutton will get an immediate bump in value. So now's the time to get him, really. Um, and it, it's only twenty five years old, and with his athleticism, as barring an injury setback, I think he's 
he's going to finish around that position again. And he's got he's got upside, especially if you get a, a rookie quarterback. Um, I think the, the the ADP of wide receiver twenty four is a bit of a joke. I think he's he's got potential to to be a, a fringe wide receiver one or or early wide receiver two. Um, so just a quick question, Dave. What do you think Sutton's ceiling can be if they were to get a, a rookie quarterback? I think his ceiling is that he's a low-end wide receiver one. I think we also think they've got Judy on that team now. They've got Fant, even KJ Hamler. He's actually a decent value, in my opinion, too. Uh, doesn't take anything to acquire him. But to have, you know, having more talent on offense, people are worried about that. However, what all that means is more first downs, more touchdown opportunities for Corton Sutton. And he can go up and he's incredibly acrobatic, kind of like a Terry McLaurin in that way. I love me some. Yeah. So, sure. I'll give you finally a short answer. Top 12, <laughs> top 12 wide receiver. Yeah. I love it, Dave. I completely agree. He's, he's been slept on right now with that ADP of, of wide receiver 24. As, if, as you say, if the Broncos do select a quarterback in the draft, I can see that value taking a jump. In 2019, he ranked 12th in yards per out run. And that's despite his catchable target percentage being only 73%. That ranked 78th amongst wide receivers that year. So just goes to show that it was basically the quarterback holding him back and, and he still managed to finish as the wide receiver 19. So I'm praying that we get an upgrade at quarterback for Sutton just to, to, to see him take that step basically in, in 2021. If not, we're just going to have to hope and pray that, that Locke takes a step forward. Um, but yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm just praying for that, that upgrade at quarterback. Uh, so, Dave, just just to finish off, obviously we've been talking about the the mock draft coming up and everything. Um, what would you be willing to pay in terms of uh, twenty twenty superflex uh, rookie picks to acquire him? So, I actually turned down the one twelve, I believe, just last weekend, um, and that's because I'm a rebuilding. I, I really do think that Courtney Sun's going to return higher than the one twelve for me. Yeah. Um, that being said, if Rondell Moore's there on the clock, I might go. <laughs> I'll probably go Rondale Moore over Court and Sutton, but I think people forget when you have an injury, people forget how good Court and Sutton was and just how he profiles as a high volume, high, you know, high, you can create after the catch. You can catch the ball down the field, catch touchdowns. It, who? So yeah, it's essentially, I'd take him over any of the tier two wide receivers in this class. Yeah, I think it's, I'm just echoing the sentiments of Martin Alley that this, this is a great selection. We all love it. Um, like I said, wide receiver 19 as a sophomore in 2019. Uh, and this was playing against the boss level of wide receiver schedules. And with uh, um, he was catching passes from future tour guide Drew Locke and JJ Zacharis and impersonator Joe Flacco. Um, so uh, thinking about Sutton, I, I can actually see an Alan Robinson type career in his range of outcomes where he's coming off an injury, but he's got multiple top 10 fantasy finishers and someone that's a consistent underdog in fantasy circles. So my wish is uh, get Fields on the Broncos and watch Sutton rock it. So, yeah, that brings us to the end of the show. We've uh, completed our two-round Dynasty Superflex rookie mock draft, plus we've had Dave's wildcard selection of Cortland Sutton. So personally, I'd just like to thank Dave for coming on the show today. Uh, you've brought us fantastic energy, uh, great content. You've been so entertaining. Uh, I've been laughing my head off in the background here while you've been um, <laughs> doing your bit. But uh, amazing knowledge as well. Um, we, we can't wait to have you back on the stream of on in the next month. So is there anything you'd like to share or plug before you go, Dave? 
Definitely check us out for the streamathon coming up next month. That's really excited to, to be part of that again. So I just want to highlight that again. And also too, I do have a Patreon account. You can check that out. It's most of the content, 95% of the content on there is free. So if you want access to my database, over 2000 college prospects dating back to 2003, that's free. They're all in one place. And then I also have a weekly seasonal database where it gives you all the advanced stats and metrics for free at like the next, before all the major sites update, I have it there for you guys for free. So check that out. And then also catch me over at DLF, Tale Two Rivals, Rookie Fever. And also I'll be in, I'll be sliding in everyone's uh, DMs here soon for the, the SFB Potathon. I'll be really amping that up, hoping to get a lot. We raised over $40,000 last year, I believe. Wow. We're going to top that again this year. So get ready for some Scott Fishbowl Potathon coming up, but not to, it, it, you guys are just going to get everyone really amped up after your streamathon, <laughs> you know. So every, the best part about fantasy football in all my leagues, I want a a charity in my home league that I commission. We have a charity aspect to it. I love seeing you guys having a charity aspect to yours, and then the Scott Fishbowl Pawthon as it brings people together. So, guys, my my voice is hoarse. I have talked way too much. You guys said this was a stream or a show or whatever. This was a marathon. I'm sorry for keeping you guys here so long. Thank you for having me. Honestly, when you guys reached out back in August and to have it come true, I hope I delivered for you guys. This Honestly, this was sincerely had a blast. So thank you for having Absolutely. me on. Absolutely. Now, what, what a legend, day! Thanks for, for coming on. And I'm speaking for all of us, but we've had a fantastic time. So um, before we close out the show, is there anything from you guys, Ali Matt? We'll start with you, Ali. No, just I, I can't believe you managed to fit us in your busy schedule, Dave. To be honest, <laughs> just uh, just thank you for coming on. Uh, that was absolutely brilliant, and we we can't wait to have you on the stream, Vaughn. Yeah, I just want to echo the same thing, Alice said, Dave. We're super appreciative that you, you've come on, and honestly, I could I could listen to you for another hour and a half, but I'm not sure your voice could take that. Um, yeah, and just on the on the show as a as a whole, I think we've just gone to show and just just how deep this class is. So. Yeah, just just can't wait now for for the NFL draft. Yeah, I think the only thing to add from me is, and it it sort of it ties in with the show, I guess. If you're at the back of the first and you're taking a punt on a, a wide receiver like a Rondale Moore or Devonte Smith, and you're a contending team, I'll be just looking to trade that for a veteran. Personally, I think you're going to get um, players, uh, veterans that are going to give you more in year one than um, than a, than a rookie that could be amazing. Could be, could be a better profile in time, but that'd be just my hint as a uh, as a contender at the back of the first. Um, so yeah, other than that, thank you very much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Wildcard. We also have our Linktree site on our Twitter page where you can find all of our podcasts and shows on YouTube. Please check it out and hit the subscribe. Um, our next show is on Star Wars Day, Tuesday, May the 4th. Uh, where we'll be recapping the 2021 NFL draft and the various dynasty implications. So thank you once again. Have a good one. And we'll see you again soon. Cheers, guys. See ya. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.